physically feminine enough to associate with. For 19th century women, communicating as physicians required the development of multiple and complex versions of ethos, pluralized as ethi, that would appeal to both public and professional audiences. Although women's behavior is less tightly constructed today than it was in the 19th century, modern professional women still often find themselves juggling competing expectations for speaking as women and as professionals, balancing the authority and assertiveness expected of the professional with the self-effacement many women are socialized to perform. In the rhetoric of 19th century women physicians, we see an early phase of this common dilemma for professional women. 19th century American women physicians spoke and wrote in a range of genres appropriate to their status as physicians. Because my interest is in women's physicians' strategic use of ethos in their efforts to influence popular and medical discourse, I have selected texts that addressed relatively large audiences, including articles in popular and professional periodicals, books written for a non-professional readership, and speeches at women's rights conventions, rather than texts intended for smaller audiences, such as medical school theses, patient histories, or letters. In order to achieve a broad perspective on the rhetorical activity of the thousands of women who had practiced medicine by 1900, I sought texts not only by well-known pioneers in the profession, but also by women who have received less attention from contemporary scholars. The prominent women physicians provided leadership to other women in the field, so their approaches to building and using ethos are important. However, women occupied a range of positions in the profession, and a narrow focus on only the most famous in the field would skew our perception of the discursive practices of professional women. Therefore, in addition to texts by well-known physicians, I examined texts by women who did not consider themselves to be leaders to discover how they communicated with the public and the profession. Performing these everyday rhetorical acts was necessary if women were to achieve more than a token presence in the field. Although most of the women whose speech and writing is discussed here were practitioners of regular medicine, called allopathy by those who practiced alternative medicine, whom the regulars in turn called irregular, several were members of alternative sects, such as homeopathy, eclecticism, and hydropathy. A few might have been called healers or abortionists by their contemporaries, but I use women physicians to refer to all of them, following Mary Roth Walsh, who argues that historians have required greater proof of women's professional medical standing than they have of men's. The fact that Elizabeth Blackwell is usually credited with being America's first woman doctor reflects a historical double standard. Blackwell's status results from having been the first woman to have received a medical degree, a standard which, if applied to her male colleagues, would have sharply reduced the number of male doctors in the country. Historians have scrutinized the credentials of female physicians more carefully than those of male physicians, many of whom practiced with no medical degree whatsoever. In addition to the rationale offered by Walsh, this book's focus on the construction of medical professionalism as a resource for woman's ethy makes attending to the rhetoric of a broad range of physicians appropriate because it allows for an examination of the ways that differently situated women imagined and capitalized on their relationship to the profession.
I have also made an effort to be as geographically comprehensive as possible, though many of the women discussed here lived near and often worked at the institutions offering medical education to women in Philadelphia, New York, and Boston. The Midwest is also relatively well represented, as schools in states such as Ohio and Michigan provided early sites for women's medical education. I was unable to locate many texts by women physicians addressing large audiences in the western United States, perhaps because of their distance from the eastern centers of publishing and the large hospitals and medical schools that provided much of the material and motivation for medical writing. Although most of the women practicing medicine in the 19th century were white, African American and American Indian women physicians contribute important elements to our understanding of how professional women crafted and employed ethos. Although I rely extensively on history,